This is Stories with Amos. I'm Holly. Amos Campbell was an entrepreneur, candy maker, dreamer, as well as my late grandfather. And not least of all, he was quite the storyteller. Back in 2007, when I was still a teenager, I interviewed Amos with the intention of one day documenting his life in a biography. The two of us would sit down at a park with just him, myself, and a tape recorder. But now instead of using these recordings to write down the stories on his behalf, I decided to let Amos speak for himself on his very own podcast. Bear in mind, these are old stories taped on old cassettes with an old tape deck amid the background noise of a public park. The quality of these unedited, long-form recordings, and even some of Amos's word choice and storytelling, are byproducts of their time. So I apologize in advance for any parts of this that are difficult to listen to, occasionally in more ways than one. But with that aside, I hope you enjoy this collection of stories with Amos. Let's listen together to this chapter in Grandpa's life. Some of the services that the dry cleaners, uh, the state of Ohio dry cleaners provided was uh, insurance. They had technical bulletins about fabrics and about uh, uh, construction of material, construction of clothing. Uh, you know, it used to be a three-button suit and a two-button suit, and those collars had to roll at a certain point if it was a two-button suit or a three-button suit, and there was a certain way in pressing those to get that to roll like that. Uh, and they provided all kinds of bulletins uh, uh, through the uh, textile research laboratory in the Ohio State University. Uh, they would get these bulletins out of it. And then also, because you know it was so easy in dry cleaning uh, to get a garment that was, wasn't serviceable and yet you wouldn't know that it wasn't. And there would be no labels in it at all, although the through the uh, National Institute of Dry Cleaning and the state board, they did get a law passed that uh, all garments had to have a label in them on how, what kind of service that they would, if they were to be dry cleaned or dry cleaned only, or if they could be washed or could be dry cleaned, or if they were not to be dry cleaned. I mean, uh, they had to have labels in them saying that, which helped out in the end. But uh, back in those days, they didn't have that. And if it, uh, 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 if, if for some reason, if something happened to a garment and the dry cleaner was blamed for it, uh, he had the uh, recourse of sending that garment to Columbus and they would uh, analyze it, tell them what happened to it, why that condition exists, to the best of their knowledge, of course. But this was, uh, these kind of things were always good evidences in a court in law. But uh, anyhow, I served on the board of directors on that uh, after I was in the dry cleaning business for a while. And uh, another thing that uh, the executive secretary, Jack, uh, oh, Jack, uh, uh, that name just slipped me. His first name was Jack. Uh, uh, he would uh, he would go out and conduct schools on dry cleaning and, and uh, uh, seminars and stuff like this. And if he happened to be in our area, I would go and help him. You know. Uh, as a result, I I did 
get to learn an awful lot about the chemistry and uh, that kind of stuff of the dry cleaning and uh, the construction of a fabric and uh, what a woolen is, a, a, a worsted, a woolen, and how felt is made and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I got a pretty good uh, school and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So at any time that you want to know something about a garment, uh, of course, that's been a good many years ago, too, and things have really changed a lot today. You know, you can take a little piece of the inner fabric there of your sweater and burn it and tell what kind of a fabric it is, what kind of, uh, 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 what kind of uh, uh, fiber it is, you know, because uh, if it's cotton, it'll smell like uh, rags burning, and if it's uh, synthetic, it'll smell like chemicals burning. And uh, if it's wool, it'll smell like hair burning, you know. And there's uh, different ways of telling, you know, of fabrics and what they're made out of and all kinds of things like that. But I spent uh, that many years on the Hydride Cleaning Association, of which I'm real proud of, and basically because of what I learned there. And I know at one time, uh, uh, you, see, you ever hear coin-operated dry cleaning? Yeah. Yeah, uh, is there any around anymore? I don't know of any. Dry cleaning or just uh, no uh, corn-operated dry cleaning. Yeah, well, I don't know <laughs> if there's any more around anymore. Well, while I was sitting on the board of the uh, high dry cleaners, by uh, these companies started making these dry cleaning machines that you could go in and dry clean your own clothes. Mm. And uh, which was a big debate on the board because, uh, of course, myself, I have, I always felt that we should keep the government out of our lives. And even then, I mean, I didn't feel that us being a, a big organization like we were, because we had hundreds of members across the state of Ohio, that we should have the government make a law that would protect us. I mean, and, and that that was a big talk back then. But, but I uh, I know uh, one of the things, one of my arguments was back then, because they, they wanted to pass laws that they had to have an attendant there uh, to do dry cleaning and uh, uh, just all kinds of different ideas. And my contentions was that, hey, if this is a good thing for the customer, then it has to be a good thing for the people that are operating it. I think that we ought to take and, and check it out, try to improve it, and then get into it ourselves, you know. And, uh, and that, that was my, and I know, uh, oh, there was different, different things that come up on the state board of uh, things that uh, dry cleaners wanted to do and didn't want to do that we would have big conversation about. But you know, uh, we were in the dry cleaning business, we were in the, the Isley business, the ice cream business, the popcorn business, and the uh, pottery business. And uh, and your grandmother was in a lot of that, all that kind of stuff, you know, pretty much with me. And uh, it's so surprising, and, and I'm sure you're, you you see the same thing in your dad today, 
and I'm sure that you and Bethany uh, are developing the same thing that every place you go, you look at the bakeries, you look at the popcorn, mm -hmm. you look at the chocolate, and you and that's so good too, uh, Holly, because uh, it, you you copy a lot of that stuff. You take it, you make improvements on a lot of that stuff, you know. And uh, but you know, uh, there's one thing uh, that I think that behooves all of us, and that's our relationships with each other, our relationship with customers, our relationship with uh, other employees, with uh, other uh, business people, and all of these kind of relationships. And uh, I, I know uh, uh, I, I was talking to Mike the day before yesterday, and he was telling me, I mean, we were just talking about all the good things of life, you know, and, and doing the right things is so important, you know. And what is the right thing? And if you ever look at something and say, well, what should I do? Turn around and say, what would Jesus do? And then do that. That is the right thing to do, you know? And, and I, it was a conversation like that that Mike and I was having. And uh, he, he was telling me, because he, you know, he bangs ears with some pretty big people, you know. He knows the governor of Indiana has dinner with the guy, you know. They're on first name terms, and that kind of stuff. And uh, he was telling me about being in a, because he's on the wellness, he's the, I think he's the president of the Wellness Commission in the state of Indiana. And uh, he's also sits on something for the health department in the state of Indiana. And, uh, but uh, uh, he was telling me too that he went to a meeting here not too long ago, uh, somebody laid met, and, uh, uh, I, I, I guess I need to be telling uh, more of the story, and, and, I, and I don't. I, I, but anyhow, what happened? He knew one of the guys that he had invited them there to that meeting, and he was just sitting in the audience, you know. And uh, but it had to do with health and wellness. And uh, at the end of the uh, meeting and before lunch. Why they uh, might say he wasn't there to speak or anything because he he goes speaking, you know, and I think he gets like a thousand dollars, you know, in some cases making a speech, you know, that's pretty good money to be a speaker like that. But uh, uh, he, he said he wasn't there; he was there just to observe. And they announced it was a pretty good sized meeting; it was a hundred or two hundred people there. That they had a guest there with them today. And they said that we would like to have him come forward and ask the blessing, like him. And he said, I, it just thrilled him, you know, that he's known to be that way, you know. But, uh, but anyhow, I guess that the thing I'm, I'm thinking of is, what, what kind of a person do you like? You know, do you ever think of that? You know, what if you had 
Uh, let me see how, how uh, I had this in my mind for this. Uh, if you were your own friend, if you were your friend, you, you know, you, you have friends, and you have, there's things about them that you would like to change, right? Some of your friends, or you see things that maybe they shouldn't be doing, mm -hmm. or that they should do that differently, that if, you know, and they're your friend, and gee, if I could just change. But if you were your own friend, what kind of things would you change about your friend? <laughs> that's a hard question. Huh? That's a hard question. A hard? Oh, well, not really. Just stop to think of it a little bit. What kind of uh, what kind of a person do you like to run into? Somebody that smiles. You like people to say hello, Holly, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You like people to say Holly, don't you? No, no. <laughs> uh, it's the most important word in the world to you. Can you think of one more important than Holly? This it's Jesus, but it's right up there on the same par. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying, and and but if uh, and and smiling, friendliness, uh, uh, being kind to people, helpful, you know, uh, mm, I, I, well, there's just many, many, many things that uh, that a person can do. That because people like that, and and whenever you do that, the first thing you know, they come to you for advice. You know, they they uh, they want to know. Well, Holly, should I do this? Because you've got everything so well together, and they can see this. You know, and uh, but. Uh, uh, both in business and in uh, uh, relationships and everywhere, you know, whether it's male or female relationships, people like somebody that is likable. This one Socrates meeting that I was to, I, they were deciding what they were going to talk about. And the one woman says, well, let's not talk about politics or religion. And I said, well, what else can we talk about? You know, unless it's recipes or, uh, or uh, you know, how to fry a steak or uh, something like that. And, and even those things a lot of times have the government controls of some kind on them. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, uh, it's awfully hard to talk about most anything without talking about a way of life, which is probably religion, or about politics, which is really affects us all and most everything that we do you know you have to consider the government you know and and uh, there are so many benefits and so many uh, pros and cons about government uh, that you know before you can drive a car you got to think about the government you know, before you go to the doctor, you got to think about the government. Uh, anything at all, you got to get a license for almost everything anymore. You have to be licensed. 
uh, the way uh, taxes, I mean, are, everything you buy are affected by taxes. The wages that you earn are affected by the government, you know, and uh, so many, many things. Whenever we left Columbiana, and uh, well, maybe I didn't tell you. Did I? Uh, and we came to Cleveland, and we didn't have a place to live up here. And uh, we stayed in a little hotel out there in Parma, where I did. And then when your mother, come, uh, grandmother, come up, she did. And my sister Jane came up to help me get the store in Parma Town open, and she stayed there in that hotel too. And I don't remember how long. It was a week or two or three or something like that. And back then, houses were so hard to find and to rent. And uh, there, there was a scheme. Uh, uh, you could, for a fee, you could pay these people, and they would give you all of these different houses, uh, addresses of houses and apartments and stuff to rent. But uh, and whenever you went to them to find out. And, Gee, they, uh, they had been rented for, you know, a long time before, you know, and they didn't take them off of their list, you know. I mean, it was really a racket. And so what we did, we put an ad in the, uh, the plane dealer, and it read something like a young executive with family uh, uh, moving into area needs a two- or three-bedroom house. And uh, for one year lease, with a one-year lease. And so uh, there was a guy answered our ad over in Brexville. And we moved in. Did your dad ever show you that house in Brexville that we lived in over there? Oh, I think he did. Yeah. Did they have four in it or no? Not, not that yeah. house. No, that, that one was in, uh, in, uh, in Middlebury Heights. Yeah. yeah. No, this one was over there in, uh, in Brexville. But we moved in it for a year, and uh, then uh, uh, your grandmother spent, oh, I don't know how much time, weeks and weeks, and uh, probably every day or every other day, going around with two or three different uh, re realtors looking for houses, both over on that side of town, uh, on the Randall side, over here in Parma. Middleburg, I mean, we looked everywhere for a house, and we came across this one up here in Middleburg Heights that had a sign for sale. And uh, so we went and uh, uh, went up to see it, and we decided we were going to buy it, of which we did, and we lived there, I guess it must have been about 10 years that we lived there. One of the things that uh, we were looking for whenever we bought a house one of the requirements that we had, because we had, uh, coming up here, we had different things that each one of us wanted. And now let me see if I can remember. Becky wanted a horse, a pony, or, uh, okay. And Janie wanted a, uh, uh, a clubhouse or a playhouse, like. And Jeff wanted a dog, a golden retriever. And uh, then, too, it had to have an in-law suite for your great-grandmother. And uh, uh, let me see, what else was it that we 
that th those were our, our the criteria of the house that we were looking for to rent or to buy, not to rent. And and it had to be under a hundred thousand dollars, or it had to be maybe it was one hundred and twenty-five thousand. I don't remember. We did that that house that we bought there in Middleburg Heights. I remember we paid one hundred and seventeen thousand for it. It did have the in-law suite, which was very nice, and your great-grandmother moved in with us there. And uh, then uh, uh, there was a clubhouse there that Janie, Becky never did get us, uh, uh, her uh, uh, horse, but we could have had a horse there. Uh, of course, she got married, too, pretty soon. And uh, then uh, Jeff got his golden retriever. It turned out it became my dog instead of his for some reason. But uh, that that's the story of the house. And, but we, we used to have some great times there. You can ask your dad and Janie about it. And uh, we had a couple of pig roasts and invited all my family up here. Of course, we had the swimming pool there. And uh, we built a fire out in the back. We got My brother raised hogs. Frank, and he would dress us out a small hog and uh, brought it up and we built a spit and uh, we, we would stuff it with kibasi and uh, stuffing and we would roast those pigs on that uh, spit. They were real good, good eating. But uh, I know Janie and uh, Holly, uh, the girls next door there, what was their names now? Uh, anyhow, they enjoyed swimming pool, and I know Jeff was in it at different times, too. But uh, they had a big yard. There must have been an acre and a half of acres around there. But uh, long driveway, we, we bought that. Because we, we, were, we were doing very well financially at that time. And uh, but everybody had their own room. Jeff had his own room. Janie had hers, Becky had hers. Uh, your, your grandmother, your great grandmother, she would be. Mm -hmm. uh, she had her apartment, her own kitchen, and restroom, and shower, and all. I hope you enjoy this episode of Stories with Amos. This podcast series was produced and edited by my husband, Ian. Music arrangement also by Ian. Credit to Amos Campbell, our Grandpa Jupy, for the original recordings. I'm so grateful to have these stories preserved in his beloved memory. I have been your host, Holly. Tune in to another episode of this limited series podcast as we explore these old recordings together with Grandpa narrating the journey. Thank you for listening.